Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 119 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And before I introduce our guest, I have to give a shout out to Don Mack, who has recently become a Patreon supporter. So thank you, Don, for your support. We really appreciate that. Today's guest is Ede Fox, also known as Black Carnivore. For the first time in our 119 episodes, I forgot to ask, where in the world are you? So at the time of recording, Ede was in Charlotte, North Carolina. I first came across her at the Symposium for Metabolic Health, previously called Low Carb USA. I then did her five-day carnivore challenge, her BBBE challenge, which is five days of just beef, bacon, butter and eggs. Despite having tried carnivore several times before, I still struggled with carnivore, even for just five days. I think I'm more suited to relaxed carnivore. I can be mostly carnivore, but things like olives and 85% chocolate and some veg do need to feature in my diet. So let me tell you a bit about Ede. Seven years ago, Ede Fox turned her life around with a ketogenic carnivore diet. Decades of compulsive consumption of refined carbs and junk food led to obesity, joint pain, rising blood pressure and blood sugar, plus out of control asthma, allergies and eczema. Now at 50, she's reversed all those conditions, has tons of energy, lost 80 pounds and more, most importantly, has a healthy way of eating that is sustainable for a lifetime. Ede is now on a mission to help others lose weight, end chronic pain and inflammation, reverse disease and get off medications. Ede runs an online carnivore community, hosts a podcast, a weekly live stream on YouTube, and you can find her on Instagram at Black Carnivore. So let's go and hear from Ede. Welcome Ede to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. I really appreciate the invite. Yeah, it was good. I I saw you on Low Carb. It's not Low Carb USA anymore, is it? It's the Symposium for Metabolic Health, very posh name now. Um, In San Diego, you were on the stage. So I reached out to you. 
Yeah, it was a really awesome opportunity to uh, to talk about carnivore and how it's impacted my life and how I want to uh, share this message, especially with the black community to, um, you know, to target a population that is really struggling with metabolic disease, which is, um, you know, crippling the United States economy, like the cost of diabetes is, is so, you know, it's so it's so big. Yeah. And I think it's big here too. You know, it's 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 a huge cost to, for our healthcare system. But I think we've we've had. Um, do you know Christine from Black Pe- Black People Keto? Uh huh. So yeah, she's a UK lady, and she was struggling. She tried keto before, and she was struggling to find a way that it fit into her lifestyle. So I think it's great that you're addressing the culture, you know, your culture um, within the United States, well, you're all over the place because I've done a challenge with you and we've had people from UK as well that I saw. And so you've got people all over the world as well. But I think it's really important that you, you can help people with the foods that they want to eat because not everybody eats the same. We all, all eat differently, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in my former life, I was getting my PhD in anthropology. So I care very much for, you know, human customs and rituals and so on. And so, you know, around the world throughout time, food has been a center of how we communicate um, our values, um, our our uh, roles in the family, um, our you know just who we are as as you know people as um, uh, as various kinds of communities and so on. So food is not just food. Um, food means a lot to you know to people all over the world. So if you're going to make significant changes to the way that you're eating, you know you you have to um, address those things that, um, you know, you, you have to figure out a way to still be able to fit in culturally in your space and your community and your family without, um, you know, feeling, uh, you know, ostracized or separated because of, you know, the changes you're making with food. So for some people, you know, they don't mind and in their family, like they find other ways to bond with people and it doesn't necessarily have to be over food. And so those people might be like, yeah, beef, salt, water, that's all I eat. And that's great. You know, and other people are like, oh, what am I going to do Sunday night at, you know, uh, at grandma's house or big mama's house or whatever, you know, we always have this, this and this. And so they kind of have to figure out um, how do they, you know, make a, um, a keto, keto, keto or carnivore um, alternative for that particular meal. And so uh, that's, you know, but that's, that's the work of it. That's figuring out how to sustainably follow this way of eating for a lifetime. And that's, you know, and that is generally done in community. That's why I'm a big, uh, you know, proponent of um, being a part of a community um, because, you know, you're never going to figure out all these things on your own. You know, you have to do this together and you get ideas from other people and yeah. Yeah. Motivation and support. Yeah. So before we get into communities and things like that, why don't you take us on a journey of how you came to, be carnivore and you know i know that's gone through several evolutions so why don't you take us back to beforehand and how you found low carbon keto and how you've moved on yeah absolutely i think it's a fascinating story if i do say so myself uh so i began um, my keto journey in 20 
15. So at that point, I had reached an all-time high with my weight. And generally, I just felt really, really exhausted. You know, I would wake up in the morning and I would have all these aches and pains. It would take me like several minutes to kind of warm up enough to be able to like get out of bed and walk to the bathroom without a lot of pain. And um, and at, at a certain point, I just got tired of not feeling you know, just not feeling enough energy. And I thought, if this is how I feel at 44, like what could 64 look like? What would 84 look like? And I just could not imagine living the rest of my life where this was the best I felt. (laughs) And so I finally decided, but, you know, because of the way um, you know, people talk about health and, and the, you know, medical, um, industry and, and, um, and media and so on, the way people talk about health, especially in the black community, I, you know, I feel that I was told that I would have high blood pressure, obesity, and, you know, heart disease and diabetes and stuff because I am black. And I, you know, and I believe that really. So, you know, at that point that I was not doing well, I just, you know, I just was kind of like, oh, you know, this is kind of it. But then, you know, it got so bad that I just decided, I, you know, I don't care, you know, whatever those people say, I don't care. I want to achieve the best health that a middle-aged black woman can have. And I was going to do everything that I could to get there. And so that really was the mindset shift that happened for me in uh, the summer, uh, the end of the summer of 2015. So, you know, I did a number, a number of different things and I kind of, um, you know, tried some things and I kind of landed um, on uh, uh, low carb. And back then we didn't even use the word keto. So it was just, you know, paleo, low carb, you know, whatever. And, um, and it was working. And in a very short period of time, you know, I had lost maybe over three weeks, I had lost like eight pounds. And, you know, I mean, that's a chunk of weight, but it's not, it's to me, it wasn't enough to really account for how all of a sudden I had all this energy, I had uh, no more aches and pains, you know, no more um, inflammation. And I just felt so much better. So what, and, what, what led you to low carb? How did you find it? How did because it wasn't that well known 2015. Well, so <laughs> I have a long history in um, you know, I had a long dieting career, let's say. So I, I have always struggled with my weight and so I've done different diets. So I was familiar um with Atkins uh back in the late 90s. I was living in LA and the fourth Atkins book came out. So you know, of course, everybody was doing it. So that was like my first experience really doing, um, you know, sort of, well, a low carb diet. That's what, I mean, for all intents and purposes, like the beginning of Atkins is keto. So I, um, so I had done that and I had done well. And then off and on through the years, I um, did, I guess, what you would now call dirty keto. So I would eat um, lots of vegetables and chicken and um, wine and, you know, I just let the carbs fall where they may, you know, but that was kind of where I stayed. So my weight stayed more or less stable that like that. Um, And then, uh, but starting in 2013, well, actually, even before then, my weight really started to rise through a number of really um, stressful uh, jobs and things that I was doing. And so as my weight was rising, of course, my inflammation and everything was getting worse. And so um, it was, you know, things were pretty bad, you know, physically for me in 2015. Um, 
but I, I came to discover, I came, I landed on keto that particular time because, um, I, uh, well, honestly, I was, I went to my brother's wedding in uh, Montreal in, uh, the summer of 2015. And I just was in such bad physical shape and I, and it just showed, and I just felt awful. And at one point, I don't know if you know, if you've ever been to Montreal, but there's like a big hill or mountain in the middle of the the town, there's a vista at the top and, you know, it's a common, Um, touristy thing to do to go to the top and take pictures and blah, blah, blah. But climbing up there, you know, should be like, you know, mildly stressful for a, you know, a normal person. But I was in such bad shape that I, I mean, it was just so hard for me. Everybody's waiting for me. Uh, grandparents are passing me, little kids, you know, are running past me. And I just felt awful, awful about it. And I, and that's when I said to myself, I, I got to figure out something. What I'm doing is not working. So I'm going to go find the experts who know about weight loss and I'm just going to do that. And so in my head, I decided that was Weight Watchers because my mom, you know, had done Weight Watchers when I was a kid. I had been sent to Weight Watchers camp. My, you know, my grandmother had done it and lost weight. So I figured this is a place to go. So I went and did that. And, um, you know, and in the beginning, uh, you know, I was doing it and doing the points, but they had made a major change in their app. And so the app wasn't working for uh, like six or eight weeks. I mean, it was, it was a big thing. And um, during that time, you know, the tracking was the one thing that kind of, I felt like kept me on track, you know, uh, being accountable to and, and, you know, aware of what I was actually eating every day. So I knew I needed to keep tracking. And and since the app wasn't working, I was like, well, let me, you know, use my fitness pal, but, um, you know, my fitness pal doesn't track Weight Watchers points. So I'm going to have to come up with something. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I don't want to count calories, so I'll count carbs. And that's literally how it happened. But after I felt so amazing, that's when I was like, I got to go back and I've got to understand like, why is this working? And what is this actually doing? And um, as I said, in my former life, I was getting my PhD in anthropology. So I've always been interested in human evolution, how the body works and um, different, you know, ways that people eat around the world. So, uh, you know, just as a, um, my curious mind was like, I got to understand, like, why is this working? So I started, you know, devouring all the information that I could find and really started to understand about like, you know, insulin and, um, you know, and, and being in ketosis and what ketones were doing for me and what animal fat was doing for me. And so it was just, you know, a really wonderful, um, you know, wonderful time for me. And I just enjoyed really, you know, studying that and understanding. And I continued to, um, you know, heal and get better. And, um, and I ultimately uh, lost 80 pounds. Um, I had a lot of health improvement, but not everything. And so, um, you know, I continued to listen to lots of different talks because, um, you know, I wasn't quite seeing all the benefits that everybody uh, that I felt like other people were talking about. So um, one thing I kept hearing people talking about was eating a zero carb diet, which we now call carnivore. But, uh, you know, I thought it was crazy and I was just kind of like, you know. But I listened and, you know, and it was like, there are some real tangible benefits that were people were experiencing. So I um, finally, 
in uh, December of 2017, decided to full on try it. And I guess, you know, so I don't always tell the full story. You know, I'm just starting to really understand um, and look back on my life and see all the ways, um, you know, all the ways that I was struggling with my health and the things that were contributing to it. So I, um, you know, I didn't really think about how impactful stress can be on your body. And um, now I'm seeing like these patterns in my health and that, you know, I can see my health declining when these things happen. So I, um, let's see, I, so also uh, before my, um, my, I guess my most recent career was working on public service. I worked for several elected officials and I ran for office myself twice. And they were both very grueling campaigns and um, very, very stressful. And the first one was in 2013 and I ate horribly through that one. And, um, and afterwards I had some very major health crises. And then, um, uh, and then in 2017, I had another campaign, again, very grueling. Um, that time I was fully keto, but I was still eating dairy. So I had a lot more energy and I was physically doing well, but I still had a ton of inflammation because I was still eating dairy. So, um, you know, in making these food changes really was important for me, but it wasn't the full, um, you know, I didn't have all the pieces together. So, uh, so I struggle generally with um, autoimmune stuff. So allergies, asthma, eczema, those are big things for me. And um, I also have endometriosis, uh, epilepsy, and also I just learning now about lipedema. <laughs> and um, all of those things seem to have a real connection to the gut, which, um, you know, and, and stress has a very big impact as well on gut health and the, you know, and the, and the brain. So I, you know, I think for me, like that is the, the work of my lifetime in terms of, you know, optimizing my own health. So, uh, so yeah, I went on a little bit of a tangent there. So in 2017, I, you know, I did keto, I did a lot better, still eating dairy. Um, 2017, my, uh, my health was actually probably at the all time worst at that point in time. I, um, so I just can't come out of this campaign the summer of 2017 and I had, um, my endometriosis like developed to, uh, you know, just the worst possible, um, you know, it got to the, its worst possible point. So I basically was bleeding continuously heavily for five months. So I was extremely anemic. And then on top of that, I, my asthma was horrible. And I, I got to the point where I had to go to urgent care um, twice because I just could not breathe. And uh, they ultimately said, hey, we think you have um, asthma, I mean, allergy induced asthma. So basically you're allergic to something and that's the problem. And, you know, so the combination of being super anemic, not having enough red blood cells to bring oxygen around and not being able to breathe properly meant that like, I just wasn't breathing. I was exhausted. 
and you know and it and really had no answers about what was going on so i i just decided to try um going all the way carnivore and a lot of times i know people are like oh i'm just about carnivore i'm just about there i you know i only eat a little bit of this and a little bit of that and i just want to say to anybody listening um you know that could be fine but there could also be a significant difference between being almost carnivore and actually so i think it's always good uh to try being really strict for a short period of time and see what the outcome is. So for me, I decided to do it. And I, I don't know why at the time I thought the way to do it was um, ground beef, butter, and no salt <laughs> and water. And that was it. Um, so that's what I did. And on day two, I mean, I suddenly felt like I could breathe. I mean, I felt amazing and I had so much energy. And I knew immediately, like, this was it, you know, no matter, I knew I would fall off, I cheat, I might do other things, but this was always going to be home base. And I knew that, you know, there was something significant happening here. Now, over time, um, you know, I went back to eating a dairy, and I added in, you know, all the other meats and stuff like that. And I had herbs and um, spices and stuff like that. But um you know, so I didn't, so I feel like things got a little bit worse. So like my, you know, asthma was still not really resolved. And then, you know, a lot of the carnivore veterans always say, you know, you got to test, you got to test, you can't just assume everything that, you know, any food is going to be fine with you. So I finally decided to, you know, actually test dairy and I took it out and I really did the test. And I, lo and behold, all the asthma, all the allergies, everything was just gone. And it was like flipping a light switch. I mean, it just, you know, within days, you know, it was just gone. So I went the first time around, I did about 10 days. And then I had a little bit of cheese, not a lot, just a little bit. And, you know, and then um, I like within an hour, I realized I needed my asthma inhaler and I hadn't been using it for the previous 10 days. So uh, it was just like, oh, my God, it was huge. That's but, really you know. That was a quick, huh? a quick yes. response. Yes, yes. I mean, I think within, I think for me, like within 24 hours of no dairy, I'm already feeling better. So it does not take a long time. But I, you know, but I like cheese and I didn't want to give it up unnecessarily. So I was like, I've got so much cheese and so many puffs in my inhaler. So let's go. And, and I decided to do like a real experiment. I did it four times where, you know, I gave it like, four or five days, no dairy, then, you know, introduce like an ounce or two ounces and then, you know, look for the results. And each and every time I could not breathe, I needed my inhaler within, um, you know, within like an hour, uh, an hour or two. And so, you know, the fourth time it's kind of like, you know, this is clear, this is a problem, you know, so I can't just like keep messing around. So I cut out all dairy and have not had any since then. Um, at the beginning, I cut out butter as well because I didn't really know. And then um, I started making ghee. Uh, I figured because ghee pulls out the milk proteins that, you know, the butter fat would be okay. Um, and I, you know, I seem to do okay. And now I do have butter. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't have a, a ton of it, but, you know, it seems to be okay. So. So now you've been for how long? So since 2017? Yes. Yeah. 
So in that time, um, you know, I've obviously done a lot of experiments and I've kind of, you know, tried to find my way. Um, some people, you know, and the way I talk about it in the black carnivore community, you know, you can be strict, moderate, or relaxed. So strict would be like just, you know, from the animal kingdom, eggs, dairy, fish, chicken, beef, whatever. Uh, and then moderate would be, um, you can have herbs and spices, coffee, uh, low sugar fruits, like olives and avocados. And um, relaxed would be also adding in artificial sweeteners, uh, or if you, you know, occasionally eating um, vegetables, like if you go to a restaurant and the side comes and you have that, or you make a stew and there's vegetables in it and you have a little, but you know, you're mostly eating the meat, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So, and, you know, I always tell people like you have to match what you're eating to your goals. So if you, you know, are trying to, you know, deal with something serious and big, like, uh, you know, cancer or reversing diabetes or getting off medications, you're going to need to be more strict. And then if you are, um, you know, more well, and, um, you know, maybe at your goal weight already, or, you know, you're close to whatever your goals are, maybe you have some more latitude to, uh, you know, to um, be to incorporate other things. Um, people often ask me about dairy, like now that you've been dairy free for a while and blah, 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 will you bring it back? Or what about raw dairy? Raw dairy is different. I don't know. You know, I just know how I felt the night before going to urgent care and having to sit up all night and I couldn't, you know, like each breath was hard work to pull in, you know, I, that doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me anymore. Like that's the memory that I have associated with dairy. So I'm, I'm done. Me and dairy are done, but other people are able to have it. And maybe they just get a little post-nasal drip or, you know, maybe they get a pimple or two, you know, so it's up to you to figure out like how well you want to feel and what, you know, what you're willing to accept. So if a little post-nasal drip is okay and you, you know, want your coffee, like, you know, go for it. So you just kind of figure out where you are on that spectrum and make sure it matches what your ultimate goals are. But I feel best the more strict I am. And so I like to do that. Yeah. And, and I agree that everybody, every, we always talk about everybody being different and you have to know yourself. And I think if you have very severe conditions that, that would lead you to try carnivore, um, and you feel better and you feel great, then that would indicate that there is something that you're eating that doesn't agree with you. And then again, like you say, you've got to choose, you know, what's it worth to you? What What's the cost of doing it against the cost of not doing it? And everybody's on a different scale because um, I've done your um, five day BBBE challenge and I don't have, you know, you know, I don't have any autoimmune conditions. I don't have any aches and pains and joint aches and things like that. So I didn't personally didn't notice a big difference. So therefore, I could probably be more relaxed than somebody else who has massive, you know, they might have fibromyalgia or some massive joint pains, and then they stop eating lots of different things, and it all goes away. And they're all very different circumstances. And I'm sure with time, you know, maybe you've cut out all these things and you could possibly reintroduce them should you want to try it. And you might be fine. 
you know, maybe our bodies get to a point where they're just overloaded with stuff. And um, once you've cleared that out and you feel fine, you know, maybe you could reintroduce it. But we have to do that for ourselves, don't we? Yeah. And I like to think about it that way, too. Like, it's like a cup. And, you know, many of us come to carnivore very ill. And so our cups are filled almost to the brim. And you pour any little thing in and you're going to have overflow. But as you start to heal and heal the gut and remove some of the foods that have been bothering you, you might bring your, your cup down to half full and then you can pour in things that are irritating, but you still have more room before things start to overflow. So I think, you know, some of us like, uh, you know, some of us have fuller, smaller cups than others, <laughs> you know, you're closer to the brim um, than others. And uh, that's just kind of, you know, yeah, that's luck of the draw. So uh, my luck was um, not great. I think, you know, as I said, autoimmunity was a problem for me. And I, I think from the get go, and I, as I've started to do more research, I see that endometriosis and epilepsy are both tied to um, uh, dysbiosis in the gut. And, um, and I think that stress um, for me, uh, in addition to eating dairy, and I'm allergic to soy and corn. So in, in addition to being exposed to these things that I'm allergic to, that I think it just, you know, continued to cause damage through my life until, you know, it sort of bursts out in these particular ways. Yeah. So one thing, so first of all, let's talk about the BBBE challenge. So tell mm -hmm. me what that is, because I've done it with you. And, um, and so then we could get, maybe dig into a couple of things that you mentioned through the challenge that were, might be interesting for people to hear. So mm -hmm. tell, tell everyone about your challenge. Yeah, so I like to start people on carnivore really strict because you. I think that um, in most cases, you really can see a, a pretty big difference in terms of how you feel in just a few days. And um, the beef, butter, bacon, and egg challenge, I think, um, makes carnivore feel very accessible. You know, most people are, you know, pretty comfortable or, or familiar with how to make, you know, bacon and eggs or steak and eggs. Um, and, you know, for five days, like most anybody can, you know, eat anything, even if it seems unusual or weird. And, um, and these are all delicious foods that people really enjoy and have been discouraged from eating for a long time if they have you know, done a lot of dieting. So I think beef, butter, bacon, and eggs is just very accessible. It's easy. It's not so expensive. It's not overwhelming. And, you know, and it tastes good. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I did that. Although, um, you know, some, I have some sensitivity to eggs. So I do encourage people, like, if you have a food that you're sensitive to, don't eat it, you know, so I've definitely done beef, salt and water. Um, and preferred that for myself because I'm a little sensitive to eggs, but sometimes I eat eggs and it's okay. So I just try to, I don't eat them a lot or often um, and not repeatedly because I don't want to trigger anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm sorry, my dog is just coughing. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. <laughs> I know she likes to sleep upside down, but she really can't because... <laughs> Yeah, it's not a normal condition for a position for a dog. Um, snoring? Is it snoring? We can hear. She's coughing because oh. she has asthma. <laughs> she should be she on asthma. Ryan. 
<laughs> she is. She eats raw, raw, um, you know, raw meat and bones and uh, organs. Um, but, you know, she had kennel cough when she was a, a young dog and it, you know, caused lung damage, basically. So, um, yeah, but she is also laying down upside down and that's like not a normal position for a dog. So if she were sitting up, then she wouldn't do this, but she likes to sleep that way. And I'm going to have to wake her up. Come on, because <laughs> she's not going to stop. There we go. <laughs> what did <Okay>. you call <laughs> An so empty you box. Something else. <laughs> An empty box. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, but you were you were asking about the challenge. Yeah. So, one of the things that you you say is about beef, and I want you to go into why beef rather than pork or chicken or any other meat for the first five days so that was really interesting to hear when you when you spoke about that on the challenge so maybe you could tell our listeners about the beef yeah absolutely so you may have heard like when you if you listen to carnivore stuff everyone's always talking about beef and so um i think sometimes people come to this and they're you know they think that this is um i don't know a fad or a style but you know the reason we talk about beef is because it literally makes you feel better um there there is something about the way ruminant animals um convert uh, you know, inedible grass, essentially, that we cannot eat and convert it into a high quality protein and fat that is incredibly nourishing for us. Um, so uh, any ruminant animal will do that for you. And a ruminant animal um, is, uh, well, an animal with a rumen, basically, they have four stomachs and their process of, um, you know, consuming and processing uh, what they eat is, um, you know, requires a fermentation and a whole lot of bacteria with it to to break down the um you know the the soluble and insoluble fibers that are in uh you know grass and everything and then you know that is then processed into um you know the the cow that's what makes the cow yep. so they're taking grass that are that humans cannot eat there's no you know we can't get, can't get anything good out of grass and they're turning it into uh, a high quality protein and fat and, um, and, you know, no matter like what they, they eat, they, you know, it's, it's a high in saturated fat. There's a lot of, um, nutrients in it and it's just very nutrient dense, uh, animals. Um, and so, and that, uh, that covers, um, uh, sheep, uh, cows, goats, um, bison, elk, uh, deer, any kind of grazing animal that, you know, just grazes on grass and has the, the rumen, that's a ruminant animal. So in most countries, you know, people are having lamb, goat, or beef. Um, any of those is fine. If you want to, you know, base your diet on that. Some people don't like beef, so they have the lamb. Um, you know, if I were living in Australia, I'm sure I'd be talking about lamb all the time and never be talking about beef, <laughs> but that, yeah. So but that differs, um, significantly from, uh, pigs and chickens and fish because, uh, you know, they have, uh, well, actually, I don't know about fish necessarily what they do there. There's, a, they have a lot of things going on, but, you know, um, pork and chickens, um, they have, you know, single stomachs, they digest food similar to us and they don't turn their fat and flesh does not, um, you know, is not as nutrient dense and they tend to, um, absorb the, um, 
you know, like the omega sixes that they're eating and that, that goes into their fat the same way it goes into our fat. It's not turned into saturated fat in the way, um, you know, it is with the cow. So you end up, uh, depending on, you know, how a pig is raised, it, they may have, you know, high omega-6 in their fat, which is, um, you know, not, maybe not what we want to be eating. Um, so the, the, it's not that the meat is not good. It just, um, is not quite as nutrient dense as the rumen, um, you know, the animals with the rumen. So what I tell people is to, you know, you can eat these other foods, but have surf and turf or, you know, wings and, and a hamburger. Don't try to eat these things. Uh, don't try to eat pork and chicken on their own. And certainly don't let a day go by where you haven't had some amount of beef, but you will experiment for yourself and you'll start to see that you do feel better on beef. Like people just do more energetic, full, satisfied, you know, brain, uh, mental clarity and so on. Um, and you know, so as much as I like the beef, butter, bacon, and eggs, um, one thing that I find, I think is challenging for people. Some people who don't cook a lot might find themselves like making scrambled eggs and bacon, you know, for both meals and it tastes great, but you're not going to feel your best that way. You still, you have to have the beef. So don't let a day go by without the beef. Yeah, that that was a, that was a big takeaway for me from doing the challenge. Is about the you know the beef or the lamb. You know, I know in America you don't easily find lamb, or it's a lot more expensive. Whereas here, you know, it's a similar price to beef, maybe maybe a bit less, but it's very um, accessible for us. And I think that was a big takeaway for me. Um, is although that I'm not very good at doing the carnivore diet what I have done now is make sure I get some beef every day and what you've just mentioned because today um my lunch was tuna and eggs and then I came home from this meeting and I still felt like I wanted something to eat so I grabbed a piece of roast chicken out the fridge and then tonight is pork belly and I'm thinking "Mm, where's my beef but I love what you just said is just put some beef with it. So I've got some ground beef. I'll make a couple of burgers and I'll have it with my pork belly. And so that I'm making sure that I get that. And I have found that really, you know, it's really satiating. And I feel like you've eaten. You feel like you've eaten. Whereas when sometimes with chicken, I can eat. I've had enough. I'm not hungry, but it's not satisfying. Yeah, people definitely tend to eat more when they're having more chicken and fish. Um you know, they just are not filling in the same way. And um, I mean, I think fish is also like, it's a, you know, it's a nice change of pace. It tastes good. Uh, I just find it to be very, very expensive. So I don't really eat fish. I mean, it's like, you know, my birthday and I'll buy um, sea scallops because that's one of my favorites or lobster or something, but like, you know, yeah, like you can eat that regularly. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that fish. I rarely have it nowadays because I'll eat some fish and I feel like I haven't eaten. It's like mm-hmm. I want to eat again. I, I feel like I'm. it's not nourishing. It's not filling enough. But part of me thinks I should be eating more fish. So it's interesting, the, the brainwashing that we've received over the years about, you know, eating fish is good for you. But I, I mean, I think there's probably some stuff in it that we're not getting other places. Um 
so I, you know, I don't really know the solution to that. Um, and I do think it's, it is good to get variety. Although I remind myself that variety doesn't come, variety doesn't have to be eating different kinds of animals. Variety can be eating different parts of the same animal, because if you're eating muscle meat from, you know, pigs, chicken, beef, and fish, that's not a lot different. But if you're eating the bones and the skin of the fish and you're eating, um, you know, bone broth that you've made from, uh, you know, beef, if you're eating um, eggs, if you are eating, um, I, you know, like brisket, you, you know, you're getting all the collagen you're getting, then you're starting to get the different parts of the animal that make it the animal, you know, um, you're not just eating muscle meat, you're eating different types of tissue within the, the body. And that's really where you're going to broaden the, um, the nutrients that you get. Yeah. So what does a typical day look like for you when you're eating? So lately I have been super, super plain and boring and, um, I've been eating uh, chuck roast. So one of my favorite things to do is to get a chuck roast and, um, chop it into tiny, like, um, cubes, like the size of a die. And then I, uh, air fry it, um, for six to eight minutes and, um, and eat that. You know, it's interesting, uh, you know, I do encourage people to really listen to your body and the, the signs and, and, and um, signals that your body is giving you. So if you don't want to eat something, don't push yourself through it, don't eat it, because there's something about it that your body doesn't want. Now, ground beef is one of those things that um, I like it. I eat it, you know, I make my little meatballs or cook it up in a pan and have it like crumbles and it's great. And then sometimes my stomach turns off from it. So I think last week was I had some ground beef that I needed to cook before it went bad and I just did not want to eat it. And <laughs> so I don't usually throw away food, but I did that. And then, you know, and I now don't really have a taste for it. And I have a bunch in the freezer, which is going to sit there for, you know, some time until I start to want to eat it again. Um, so I think that um, I like f meat that's really fresh. So generally when I buy groceries, I buy, you know, I go to the store, I look to see what's on sale, what looks good, what looks fatty enough. And then I buy, you know, as much of that as this is available. And then when I come home, you know, I cut it up into one or two pound chunks and freeze it so that each day I'm taking down like two pounds of meat and then I can, you know, have as much or as little of that as I feel like having. So, you know, usually I don't have meat that's been unfrozen for more than a day or two. So, um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's a long process for things to go bad. Um, and so on that spectrum, you know, before you get to the point where you can get sick from the food, um, I think there's still stuff that your body senses. And I think my body's kind of like, ah. I, let's stay over here at the fresher end. And I feel like ground beef is one of those things because, you know, it's got all this meat mixed together, probably from a lot of different animals from different places. And it just, you know, it tends to um, not go bad, but start that process of going bad um, sooner than if you're taking a chunk of meat that has not been cut into, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, do but you- I don't want to scare anybody off of ground beef. Eat it. <laughs> you know, it's good. Yeah. And you've got a nice little tip about putting, um, mixing it together so you are absorbing the fat. Do you want to share that with the listeners? Yeah. So when people make a hamburger patty, you know, you usually, you know, use your hands to, to smush it together. But a lot of sometimes people get really, you know, um, uh, put their muscle into it and squeeze it into this uh, little hockey puck shape. But that's not a good idea because when you're making ground beef, um, you want to leave like pockets, empty pockets inside of it for the fat to render out. Um, you know, hamburger, we think of it as a very fatty food, but um, when you cook it, you know, a lot of fat renders out. And depending on how you cook it, you could lose all that fat and it ends up in the fire, you know, down below, or it leaves, it stays in the pan and you take the burger out. So um, in order to try to keep it as juicy as possible and keep that fat in there, um, I am very gentle with the beef and don't squeeze it, but just, you know, kind of pat it into shape. And that way you leave a lot of space inside. And so as the, the fat renders, it pools in those spaces inside the burger or inside the meatball instead of just coming out entirely and being left in the pan. So um, I do encourage people to do that, even though people think of hamburgers as super easy. In fact, I think it's quite hard to make a really good hamburger um, because, you know, for these reasons, like it's, you know, it's not as simple as you might imagine. Yeah. I was always one that was pushing them together and squashing it. But um, since the challenge, I now, what I almost do is just grab some of the meat and put it in the pan without squashing it at all and making it hamburger. It's sort of a hamburger shape, but it's not really. And they're much smaller now so mm-hmm. that, you know, they're quick to, quick and easy to cook. Um, I fry mine because I haven't worked out about air fryers yet. Um, so, um, yeah. Do you find it's juicier than it used than you used yeah, to find? Yeah, much better because I I was finding that it was quite heavy and was sitting in my stomach. The other thing you told me about, you you, you almost told me off about, <laughs> was I wasn't eating enough meat. So mm-hmm. that was really interesting because I was thinking, oh, a pound of meat that that will be fine, and you were saying, mm, yeah, maybe not. Maybe if you're hungry, that isn't enough. And some people will think oh, that's a huge amount of meat. So do you sort of build up to it? How did you find your level? Well, I just jumped right in at about two pounds. Um, I, you know, I mean, you need it. So if you're not eating um, sugar or carbohydrates, like you, you need your, you need the protein and you need the fat to operate. So you're, you're going to get hungry for it. Definitely. But I I find in the beginning of carnivore, um, you know, sometimes people have a hard time getting enough fat. I mean, that really, I think that's the really the biggest challenge for folks because um, you know, most grocery stores, they're really um, cutting the fat uh, they're trimming it you know, because most people want lean meat. And so uh, it's very hard to find fatty enough meat. If you just walk into the grocery store and buy what you see there, you're probably going to end up eating um, maybe about 65% fat, 35% protein. But what you really, you know, want it to do is get, you know, somewhere between 70 and 80% fat and um, uh, 30 and 20% 
protein. Mm. But to do that, you have to work harder. That means that you really have to look for the fattiest cuts that you can, um, the pieces that are fattiest. Like when I go to the store, the Chuck Rose sometimes has a pretty thin little um, fatty vein through it. So I don't buy that one. You know, I look for the one that has the thicker swath of fat in it. Um, or, you know, where sometimes I may need to go to a, another store and get something else, uh, get, get something else from somewhere else. So, um, you know, making sure you're getting enough fat because, uh, uh there is a common complaint in the beginning of carnivore. People are like, Oh, I can't eat another piece of meat. I'm hungry. Or I keep thinking, or I keep looking in the refrigerator, but there's nothing I want to eat. And I, you know, I can't figure out what's going on. And I, I just, the thought of eating another piece of steak is just like, Ugh. but usually the problem is that they have met their protein requirements, but they have not met their fat requirements. And so, you know, your body doesn't, it, it doesn't run well on protein. Like that's just, it, it's a building block for us. It can be burned um, as sugar, but it is, you know, it's expensive process. You, you know, it, it wastes a lot of calories and, and um, your body, does, you know, it doesn't do well like that. So um, people generally just, you know, your, your taste for meat turns off once you've kind of hit your protein needs. But you're still looking in the fridge because you're still hungry. You need more calories to, to you know, operate. And so, um, you know, those people who are eating too lean or just going to the supermarket and saying, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to do carnivore. I'll buy my chicken breasts, my turkey thighs, and, you know, a couple of these hamburgers that, you know, they cook in over a grill and basically are eating a lot of protein and not nearly enough fat. So that's mm -hmm. usually what that is um, happening. And, um, you know, so once you get that dialed in, it, it works a lot better and you kind of just have to go by your own appetite and um, how you feel. But one pound of meat is not you know, it's not a lot <laughs> and you're, you know, and, and if, especially if you're an athletic person, I mean, I, I can see a circumstance where you have someone who is older, more sedentary. Um, although older people need more protein, okay. not less than young people, yeah. but if you're more sedentary, you're not doing things where you need to do a whole lot of rebuilding, you know, maybe you can get by with a pound to a pound and a half of meat a day. But if you are doing any kind of athletics, um, you, you know, you need more, you just, you do. So there's, there's not really a way to get around that. Um, but you, I don't recommend that you sit down and do it all at once. So when I was getting started, you know, there were all of these sexy pictures on Instagram of people with their two pound ribeyes sitting down to dinner. And, you know, so I was trying to do that too. And oh my God, my stomach did not like that at all. So I don't recommend that. Um, I still don't do that. Um, you know, it's, it's not common for me to, you know, have a big meal like that. Um, it's more comfortable to eat multiple times a day, smaller amounts. And um, usually it's easier for people to digest that as well. So do you do any intermittent fasting or do you find that being carnivore, you, you need to eat more regularly? 
I don't like fasting, <laughs> um, but I think that it is, it can be very helpful and it's a very powerful tool and combined with carnivore, it can be super powerful. So I have done fasting in the past. I've taken a long break from it, but now um, I have decided to do a 90 day gut reset challenge for myself so um i i really you know considering like the challenges i've been having i decided to really focus on what will rebuild the health and um and i think uh so fasting is a, definitely a part of that so i um my intention is to um do two uh 24 or 36 hour fasts in a week and you know and just kind of keep going with that maybe switch it up from time to time um Although each day that I said I was going to do that, I didn't yet do it. So, but hopefully it's going to happen. <laughs> I have to sort of, in my head, I have to put a date in the diary of when I'm going to fast. Otherwise it just doesn't happen because fasting, I, I do intermittent fast, but fasting longer periods is not my default. I like to eat. And like you, I really enjoy meat, but I cannot eat lots in one setting, one, one sitting. I have to have more throughout the day so yeah so tell us a bit about your community and what you've been building over the last few years well i started with instagram basically because i you know i when i first started carnivore i couldn't figure out what you eat you know what like what does your plate actually look like and when i was growing up my grandmother used to say, you know, you need this meat, a starch and a vegetable. And, um, and I was like, okay, if I'm not eating carbs, does that mean I make two meat, other meat dishes and have those as the side? Like, what does my meal look like? And um, I just needed to see like what other people were eating. So I went on Instagram and I was looking at, at what other people were doing. And I decided to post what I was doing in case anybody else had the same question as me. And, um, you know, and then, then they would get some answers. So that was what I did. And, um, you know, and I, I started sharing my story and then, um, I started my YouTube channel and just started talking about doing carnivore and my experience. And then I decided that, um, you know, doing, uh, so eating this way, um, I was very interested in learning about the science and, you know, and it was, um, even though it was, I feel like keto and, uh, and carnivore too is not, um, it's not super accessible in the beginning. Like if you're just a regular person and you, you know, are looking, you know, to, to go on a diet and you just, you know, and you're trying to figure out what to do, like it wasn't super easy to, to get into that area and understand why you are doing it and, um, and why, you know, especially why you need to stick with it. Cause I, I do feel like, you know, sometimes people come in, they do keto and they're like, Oh, I'm doing keto except yesterday I had this cookie. And then, you know, on Friday I had this thing and it's like, well, you know, um, it's, it's not just about calories. So each time you do that, like you're not actually giving yourself a lot of time to be in ketosis if you get there at all, you know? Um, so helping people to understand that, uh, you know, I think if people are coming from just regular calorie restriction, it, you know, they don't quite get that. So what I wanted to do was really create a, um, a, a library of work where people 
you know, would be able to tell their own story about their own success on Carnivore. And I specifically wanted to show, to, to find people who looked like me because I didn't see anybody else who looked like me when I got started. And, you know, I was interested in the science and so that was enough to push me to, um, you know, to continue to look, even though I didn't feel like this was necessarily for me, but, um, you know, I didn't know that I, I didn't want anybody else who, you know, wasn't that motivated by the science to get turned off um, or not feel welcomed in the space. Uh. So um, I, you know, basically found other black people who were doing the carnivore diet and experiencing success and let them tell their story. And I think, you know, for most people, you know, we relate to human beings. So, you know, hearing a study about a mechanism by which, you know, the carnivore diet should work is not the same thing as seeing, you know, the lady down the street, you know, the guy at your church or wherever, you know, start eating this way, get off medications, reverse diabetes, lose a bunch of weight and, and look, you know, 30 years younger. That is you know, motivating the studies, not so much. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I just, just wanted people to be able to give their own testimony. And that's what I did on the YouTube channel. And now you've got your own community that you run and have people join. So tell us a bit about that. Yes. So I, um, like I was saying, like, I think that it's really hard to follow this way of eating without some support and community. I mean, we live in a world where we're being constantly pushed and, and cued to eat sugar. And there, um, and if you're choosing not to do that, you have to have, a, you know, an incredible amount of willpower and you have to know why you're doing it. And you have to have people who are support you and tell you, yes, you're not crazy. You're doing the right thing. And, um, and that really comes from community. And so I tried to create the community that I wished I had in the beginning when I got started. And, um, and I hope that it helps other people continue on. So, uh, you know, Basically, um, it is a community that's similar in function or in form to uh, Facebook, you know, so you have a feed, you know, people post, I post, there's pictures, um, you know, people talk about things that they eat and how they feel and so on and, and their experiences. And that is, you know, that's really the crux of the community. There is an option to, um, you know, get more one-on-one -on -one time with me, um, you know, coaching or, um, you know, like uh, um, Q&As, because I think as well in the beginning when you're doing carnivore, some people, you know, do it and they're just off to the races. Everything works perfectly. You know, they post in the group and they're, you know, they're eating and they have no problem and everything is resolved. But other people have, um, they have to make adjustments, you know, are they eating like too big a meal at one time? Um, did they come off of, were they, did they have a lot of heartburn and were they, had they been taking a lot of Gaviscon and stuff like that? That's going to impact your ability to digest, you know, meat. So those are all things that you um, kind of have to figure out and, um, and it just takes a little bit of time. So that is what, um, what can happen in community. Um, and then finally, the uh, carnivore mastermind is like a, um, like it, it, I, I love this sort of small group feeling with people who, you know, we meet weekly, 
Um, we have like a lot of one-on-one um, -on -one time and also group time to support one another. And this is where if you need more accountability and support to get started and to stick with it in the beginning, it's a great place. But also if you're uh, you know, doing some biohacks and trying different things like this is a great place to kind of get that feedback um, to understand, you know, what's happening, what's working, what isn't working to learn more and and so on. And I think that, you know, you're you're constantly learning more about your body and um, about, you know, optimal health. And uh, so there's always a need to do more experimentation. And as I said, you know, I felt like I had done a lot. I did do a lot with keto and then with carnivore. But um, I still think that I have some significant work to do on my health. And so I am now looking into, you know, what I can do to support my gut and, and hopes that that continues the healing process. But, you know, these, I mean, there's no answers. Like there's, I don't feel that there is a, a lot of clear um, indications about what should be happening in your gut. You know, there's a lot of emerging, you know, studies and science. And so it's kind of cool to do these experiments on yourself and, and see, you know, and, and share that with other people and let other people, you know, have do these experiments and share their experiences. So that's kind of what, you know, happens in the mastermind space. It's, you know, really um, an opportunity, like when you're ready to get serious, um, that's, you know, that's the space that you want to go. And I, you know, and I've worked with people who have had some really significant health issues. And, um, and I, I enjoy working with that population as well, because, you know, this, these are people who have really been in a lot of pain, really struggled, um, basically had the medical field just kind of give up on them, you know, so they're like, every time I go to the doctor, the answer is you need to lose a hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. But I have, a, you know, I have a, a splinter in my finger and it's infected. No, you need to lose a hundred pounds. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, you know, and I, I feel like, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, so many women in my family have um, been basically struggled with metabolic metabolic syndrome and all the fallout from that, you know, and, uh, and I see how damaging that is on the body and how it, you know, takes away the life that you could live. And so I, you know, it's too late for my mom, you know, she passed away. And I think, you know, all of this had a significant um, role to play in her passing. But I'm hoping that, you know, other people who are still here still have some more have some time can step in with a, um, you know, an aggressive uh, dietary solution and see a lot of improvement very quickly and be able to, you know, live more, um, you know, I don't want to say use, useful, but like, you know, just live the life that they want to do the things that they want to do and not be encumbered by ill health. Yeah. Be what I say is um, live a life rather than being alive. You know, one thing is to be alive. And if you can't do things or you can't move easily, it's really tough and it's not a great quality of life. So you want a life that you can live to the full and do things that maybe you thought you could never do. And that, you know, it's very rewarding to, you know, you, you and I are very lucky that we get to see people doing those things. Yeah, I feel very grateful to, you know, that people, um, you know, uh, allow me to be a partner with them and, and to help them, you know, move forward on this, uh, on this path on this journey. So, yeah. So, Ade, is there anything 
you wanted to mention today that you haven't already said? Anything else that we've missed? Well, you can always head to my website, blackcarnivore.com to see all the different ways that you can work with me. But for sure, you want to sign up for the Carnivore Accelerator. That is a um, you know, that is going to be the space where, you know, you, you have, um, you know, a really comfortable environment with people who are on the same page and understand. And the other thing I want to say too, is that we're not, I, I'm not super dogmatic about this stuff. You know, I like carnivore. It's worked really well for me, but I think you have to find like the path that works best for you. So I, that's why I kind of talk about carnivore in a very broad term, but I, you know, to that end, I've had people tell me, well, you don't eat raw so you're not a carnivore and i'm like you know yeah yeah so um you know so this is there's no prize for being the most carnivore there's no you know there's no carnivore queen so you know you <laughs> you just eat the way that works for you and um be open to experimenting and uh testing whether these things actually do work for you but, um, you know, but if you discover it's not a problem, it's not a problem. Exactly. You know, that's it. Yeah. Before we go on to the end bit where you're going to tell people how they can get in contact with you, have you got any dates coming up for the five-day challenge? Yes. So I will definitely be doing a challenge at the beginning of January, another five days. Uh, the holiday season, um, I, I don't know when it begins or the candy season is what I like to say. I don't know when that begins in the UK, but um, they start putting out Halloween decorations and candy in early October. So I find that most people um, getting through October to January is really tough. And so I like to actually do a lot of um, challenges and events and things so that people can really, you know, kind of stay focused and um, kind of break up that, um, you know, the, the eating of all of the candies and treats and holiday stuff. And, and then of course, in January, it's time for a real, um, you know, reset. <laughs> and, uh, so I will most likely be doing beef, salt and water, um, in January to, um, you know, to help people, you know, kind of get restarted again and, and, um, overcome the holidays. Excellent. Fantastic. So how can people get in contact with you? So you can find me on Instagram at Black Carnivore or on YouTube. Uh, my channel is called Black Carnivore or the website blackcarnivore.com. Fabulous. So before we finish, we always ask our guests for your three top tips. So I would start by figure out what are the foods that you like. If you're doing carnivore, what are the carnivore foods that you like and make that your meal? You should enjoy every meal. It should be a pleasure. Don't get too complicated with this. Uh, people are going to tell you a lot of things about what you need to have and what things need to be included, but human beings have been eating this way since we evolved. So it can't be that complicated because we didn't even know all this stuff, you know, <laughs> even 50 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, don't make it hard. And, um, hmm. Eat beef every day. Oh, eat beef. What? A, of course. Make <laughs> sure you eat some ruminant animal every day. Excellent. Thank you. So thank you for joining us today. It's been fabulous talking to you. And um, yeah, I, would, I really recommend anyone doing that five-day challenge to get started and just see, you know, do you notice a difference in five days? Because that's really important, isn't it? And then, you know, take it from there. 
Yeah, I was surprised at how many people saw such big differences. So, um, you know, that was very, uh, very heartening. Uh, I couldn't believe what was it, Rebecca, who's like, no knee brace walking up and down the stairs. Yeah. In three, four days. Like, that's huge. Yeah. And there was another lady who had really bad autoimmune things going on and she was feeling more energetic and able to walk and all sorts of things. So yeah, really amazing to see. Yeah. 100%. Thank you. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to, you know, talk about this stuff and um, I'm really hopeful that, you know, my message can help inspire some of your listeners. Thank you. Recently, community keeps coming up as a theme in our podcasts. And I think you have to find a community you can fit into and where you feel comfortable. So if you want to join our Facebook community, that's at facebook.com forward slash groups forward forward slash fabulously keto. But maybe Ede's community feels like the place for you. And you can join her community at blackcarnivore.com. As I said in the recording, I'm now much more aware about eating ruminant meat. As I record this, I was putting the shopping away today and I noticed how Julian doesn't buy me pork chops anymore. And whilst I was thinking it would be nice to have some pork chops now and then, I decided not to say anything as I know I will be better eating some beef or lamb, which is what he's been buying me instead. Another takeaway from Ed A was about the mincemeat or ground meat um, not being as fresh as a piece of meat that will have come from one animal, whereas mincemeat or ground meat could be from different animals. We don't know where it comes from. And I, I was just thinking about that and I was thinking, I, I remember my, I knew my great grandma until I was 15 and at that time, my mom, everybody, my mom, my grandma, my great grandma, they always used to mince their own meat. So they would take a piece of meat and they would mince it themselves. But now we tend to get it from the butcher. It's already minced up and we don't know where that has come from. So that was, you know, it was a good reminder to think about things like that. And also once it's been ground up, it's it has a more of a surface area and therefore is more accessible for bacteria and things like that, I guess. So when I now make hamburgers, and I said this in, in the podcast, I don't squash the meat together anymore. I just sort of pat it into shape. And so they don't even really look like hamburgers. I'll just take, sometimes I just take a piece of meat and I just drop it into the pan without doing anything with it. So it, it doesn't look like a hamburger shape anymore but i thought you know let's do that and the meat is much more tender it's not as hard it doesn't lay as heavy in my stomach anymore i also thought it was interesting how if going carnivore that you need to eat quite a lot of meat but it needs to be fatty meat so that the proportions are more fat If you're eating too much lean meat, you might still feel hungry and not feel like eating more meat. And that's your body telling you you need the energy, but you don't need it in the form of protein. You've you've had enough protein. You need some fat. So if you feel like you want to give 
um, carnivore a try or you need a reset after the holidays, then head over to Eday's five-day carnivore challenge at blackcarnivore.com. And if carnivore isn't for you or you don't want to try try it or you just don't want to try another diet even, then ditch the diet and join me for my new year, new body, new you program that starts on the 3rd of February. This 12-week program will get your health and fitness back on track for good. To find out more, head over to fabulouslyketo.com forward slash new hyphen year. And that link will be in the show notes. And you can find the show notes at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash one one nine. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.